Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Lisa Slagle. I own a creative agency called Wheelie Creative, as well as a creative action sports photography workshop company called wheelhouseworkshops.com. So much has been happening lately. Holy cow. We just moved into a brand new office in Whitefish for our Whitefish crew. Um, So that has been a tremendous amount of work. I just kept finding more and more stuff that we'd collected over the last three years in our previous building. And I was like, why do we have mannequins in Hawaiian shirts? Why do we have Yeti costumes? Why do we have all these things? Like, why? Why? Um, But I moved them anyway. So that has been a really big deal. And we're now in our new spot in Whitefish. So if you're in the area, swing by. We'll give you a cup of coffee. Today is exciting. Today on the podcast is Jeanette Sherman. She is the marketing manager of Yeti Cycles. She's hilarious, well-spoken, has this really global mindset, and Jeanette is just a badass. She's one of the funniest people I've ever met, but she also knows how to pull it together and say some seriously serious stuff. So I hope you really enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Jeanette. Uh, She really gets into making the bike industry accessible and making cycling more mainstream and providing good community for people. Um, She's really just an awesome, awesome human being. She used to be a demo driver and now she's the marketing manager of Yeti Cycles. So uh, enjoy it. Jeanette, Jeanette is something special. Have fun. So, Jeanette, first question to kick off the podcast, classic, tell our audience all about yourself. Tell us what you're doing now, how you got there, and kind of the highlight reel of your life. Oh, the highlight reel of my life. Okay. Yeah, so um, I am, whether I like it or not, from California and grew up there on a small farm and went to school in Oregon at the University of Oregon, Go Ducks, and I majored in political science, international governments, and um, uh, PR in the journalism school, and kind of dabbled in doing some editorial for um, national public radio stations throughout the U.S., and then kind of was always dabbling back and forth in the outdoor industry, um, and worked for, you know, resorts like Mount Bachelor and Mount Hood Meadows and North Star in Tahoe, and then finally um, really, really took the plunge in the cycling world back in 2012 as um, a demo driver for Live, which is Giant's women's brand. And if you don't know that already, shame on you. Not you personally, but listeners. Everyone should know who Live is at this point, in my opinion. And then um, slowly but surely, I moved through the ranks there. Um, I was actually a demo driver only for six months and a position opened on the US marketing side for Live. So I moved in-house to back to California, of all places. I never thought my outdoor industry career would take me back essentially 40 minutes from my hometown and um, loved my time there. Super awesome. I actually moved then into the global office. So same office, but the global aspect of the business. And then um, about about three and a half, four years later, I accepted a position as the marketing manager at Yeti Cycles here in Golden, Colorado. That's wonderful. Um, 
And what do you do now at Yeti specifically? So, oh, so specifically. Okay, we're going to be specific. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, at this point, I do um, a number of things. We actually just hired a, a marketing director because sometimes I'm not really great at being um, organized and strategic. No, I shouldn't say that. Um, I just, you know, I like to be um, kind of like boots on the ground sort of person. Um, and it doesn't always leave me time to be strategic. So um, at this point, I'm focused on... Um, communications, especially when it comes to product um, and the overall brand a bit. So like copywriting, those kinds of things, um, anything on the social realm. So I do all the Yeti social media, um, product marketing, product placement, public relations. Um, I help with the ambassador program. I'm sure I'm missing stuff. Uh, typically, I, I used to do the budgeting process, but I'll just assist in that moving forward, um, assist with our tribe events, um, race team, et cetera. I think that covers most of it. That sounds really fun. Um, I'm interested. I did not know that you were a demo driver and I'm interested what you thought of that experience because that's how a lot of uh, people get into the bike industry. So how'd that go for you? Yeah, I think it's our, our ongoing joke at Giant is that um, you want to retire to become like a demo driver because it's so much fun. But there, there are aspects of it that are really challenging in that um, you have to be super comfortable being alone for long periods of time, like, you know, eight, 10 hour drive poles through like, you know, God of all places like Northern Texas or something, nothing against Northern Texas is just very desolate. Um, and a lot of the gas stations look like chainsaw massacre. So there's that. Um, and you always hit that gas station at about 11 PM. So, um, I think the good part about it is that, um, it really gives you the opportunity to get to know retailers and the people who are, again, those boots on the ground, selling bikes and really representing the sport for us. Um, and then obviously you'll have that consumer interface as well. So those people that are like, these are the people that truly are moving the sport forward, I think in a lot of ways in that like they're the, they're the, like the foundation, the ground floor. Um, and then as a demo driver, you're also required to be pretty efficient and proficient, if you will, mechanic. Um, so we had a fleet of 25 bikes, mountain, road and some cross um at that point i think now they run on like they might run an e-bike or two in there at this point so you have to be um also efficient in that level so like not only are you being social and like you know maybe giving retailers input on how to better sell to consumers and then interacting with consumers on a pretty intimate level when it comes to like getting them on bikes or doing clinics um and then and then there you are also being a mechanic so i think it's a really like left right brain kind of job to be pretty well-rounded. Yeah. And a lot of time on the road. So did you have any special road trip podcasts or music lists? Oh God. Spotify will save you. You have to have it. Absolutely. Podcasts. I'm definitely kind of old school with the, like this American life. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Cause I, I'm an NPR gal. Um, anything like serial, any of the serial podcasts and S town and that wasn't out yet, but that kind of stuff mm -hmm. was really intriguing. So yeah, I did a lot of podcasts out there for sure. Yeah. And now you live in a home that's not on wheels and work in an office. How's that? How's that going? So I would say that transition initially, so I did that transition in um, February, 2013 was really tough. It is like a weird culture shock having to like, in a way, like even if it's someone in your office, I while we use the word intimate to mean different things in our culture, like having those sort of like day-to-day -day more intimate relationships was really challenging at first. Um, cause it's not like those surface level conversations that you have typically on the road. 
So um, it was really challenging at first. It was like, honestly, like the closest thing I've ever had to, I guess, culture shock in a way. Like, I don't know if it would exactly classify that as culture shock, but that is maybe what I would call it. Um, it was challenging, but I got through it and you learn to like socialize like a normal person again. <laughs> but it does, it does change you for the long term. Like I find myself now much more um, in need of like that alone time. So I just, my, luckily my fiance knows that and he's, you know, don't talk to Jeanette. It's not like I'm going to bite his head off or anything. He just knows. So um, I, it was nice because I'm a very extroverted person, at least when I was younger. And I think it really helped me get in touch with that introverted side that actually helps me um, take better care of myself. That's cool. It's, it's also nice. Your fiance knows that uh, you need some Jeanette time. <laughs> I do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's perfect because this podcast is also so much about creativity. Um, so, you know, where do you tend to get your best ideas come? You know, where do your best ideas come from? Yeah. Um, so I used to do this thing where I would keep a notebook or, or, you know, something next to my bed. I try not to look at my phone at night. So taking notes at my, on my phone wasn't always the best, but I actually do that more so. So, um, I sleep a lot better now for whatever reason. I, I didn't when I was traveling as much as I was, um, even as a demo driver, but especially when I was working on the global side, it's almost like you kind of live in this perpetual state of jet lag. So you, um, you don't sleep as well. And uh, I sleep a lot better now. But um, I definitely did, like that this kind of early morning waking hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we should do that or we should try that out. But um, equally trite might be, I really do come up with my best ideas when I'm writing um, on my bike. So typically my better ideas come not when I'm writing something super technical. So I tend to be very, like I had to be super focused when I'm writing like bigger, more challenging rock gardens and things like that. So I'm only thinking about staying alive in those situations, but that's why I really like going on. I still road ride, which, um, some people at Yeti make fun of me for it, but that's okay. Um, but it's just really good time for me to not only like spin out my legs, but really get some good thought. And I don't go out with that intention necessarily. Um, I think that stifles my creativity sometimes, but it'll just happen. We'll just be out there and I'll have written half the copy, you know, for the next product year. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's done in my head at least. So those are my usual times. That's awesome. I, uh, or I used to ride my bike on the Whitefish Trail into town 11 miles. And then, um, but this year there's a grizzly bear sow with two cubs that's kind of posting up out there. So I don't like to ride in the early morning and late evening hours right now. Right. Fair. Yeah. But that's, uh, I agree that, that being on the bike is an awesome time to generate ideas. Yeah. But do you, do you have a trick for remembering your ideas? Oh gosh. Mine typically is, I, I unfortunately have my phone on me too much. So I'll memo myself. I'll text myself or I'll do a voice memo. Yeah. Cause it is, that's the worst when you do think of those things and you forget them. And it happens to me at least every couple weeks for mm -hmm. sure. So yeah, I voice memo myself on my cell phone <laughs> typically, <laughs> or I'll like text a friend, like voice text, you know, I'll stop my bikes. Don't worry. I'm not riding my bike while I'm doing that, but I'll stop and I'll like either, like, especially if I was talking to a friend of mine, I've definitely had my kind of go-to collaborative creative friends that I run ideas by. Um, and I'll sometimes text them and be like, oh my God, I just had this idea. Tell me what you think. I'll be done with my ride in an hour. You know, one of those things. That's awesome. And the other thing I was going to say is actually, I like your comment, like how maybe you're commuting. It sounds like maybe commuting on your bike. And I'm always a proponent for bike commuting. I don't do it enough, but 
I have a lot of really great friends who do, um, especially this time of year. It's awesome here because our days are actually pretty long, not as long as yours in Montana. But those are like, that's such a nice way to wind up, if you will, and unwind from your day. And it's such a more natural transition for me. I feel like I don't feel, I don't know. I think maybe I get into the car and immediately put on the news and then kind of don't let myself sort of like decompress after work or vice versa. As I'm coming into work, I'm sort of ramping up again, too much news probably, but, um, in this day and age, unfortunately, but I like the bike ride. It just, you just feel so much more in tune with the world around you. And I think it's just much a more like natural way of like transitioning into your day and out of your day. And you got come up with great ideas. Totally. Totally. And not get eaten by bears. Don't get eaten. Yeah. That's what I would say. Maybe not. Don't. Yeah. It's real. That's my favorite thing about riding in Colorado is I'm not in paralyzing fear constantly. Of that. Yeah. So what's funny is I have opposite in that, like I rather ride in Montana because uh, I'm deathly afraid of snakes. So there are more, there's a lot more snakes here in Colorado than there are, especially where you are, but I get it. It's both are real fears in my opinion. They are. Do you feel like you have nothing in common with traditional ad agencies? Do you count time in powder days and desert trips? Do you own or work for a company that's heavily involved in the outdoor industry? And mostly, do you like measurable results that you can understand delivered by people who understand you? Hey, congratulations, you just found your brand's favorite adventure partner. That's right, I'm talking about those nerds over at wheeliecreative.com. W-H-E-E-L-I-E, like a bike doing a wheelie. It's named that because it helps your business level up. Also, when I was 22, I thought wheelie creative was a really good pun for really creative. But anyway, Wheelie Creative, it's a creative agency for people who thrive outside. WheelieCreative.com. Check them out. But you might be asking yourself, hey Lisa, isn't that your company? Come on. Yes. Yes, it is my company, but I'm paying my employees to edit this podcast so you get to hear a commercial about it. WheelieCreative.com. I promise you won't regret it. Um, that's exciting that you work in the bike industry and you are a female in a sea of dudes and you're in the, you know, manager status, marketing manager. How, uh, do you ever notice that, um, gender, I guess, split in your, in your position or is it not a thing anymore? Or what do you, what do you notice there? Gosh? Yeah. I think, um, I think it's still a day-to-day thing and in a lot of aspects of the industry, Um, and you know, I really like, I really always appreciated the way Elena Caldwell, if you're not familiar with her, um, she actually did a vital MTV, um, podcast, um, a few like months ago or maybe a year ago. Um, and I, and she always says that she's going to call her book, the only girl in the room. Um, but I love that she said she doesn't see herself that, that way. Um, whereas sometimes people would point that out to her like, oh, well, since you're the girl, could you, you're like, you know tell us what you think on the spec or what have you. And she's been in the industry for a long time. Um, except at live, live is a very different configuration in that um, you're there in many ways because you're a woman um, and is a, a women's brand run by women. Um, that's not to say that there aren't men who work on that brand. There are um, quite a few actually, but um, at Yeti, clearly that's, you know, a bit different. So now we have nine women who work at Yeti, including the marketing director. She's actually um, a female as well and came from Nike. And so I would say like we have women in pretty much all aspects of the business here. Um, and when I'm in meetings and product, especially, um, 
you know, first and foremost, I am there as a representative for marketing and as a representative of someone who's worked in the industry for a while um, and has perspective on uh, global markets and domestic markets. So that's my role first and foremost um, in those meetings. But absolutely, I am expected and I understand that there are times where I am asked to be the woman and give a certain opinion. Now, I'm not the only one. Clearly, I'm not the only person giving uh, product direction on our Yeti Betty line just because I'm female. Um, there's actually quite a every woman here who rides would give perspective on that. Um, and then, of course, we have a group of women outside of the company that we really lean on as well. So um, I don't come, you know, I don't come in every day to my job and thinking like, how am I going to progress women's cycling? Um, which, you know, like there are times, there are certain days where, yeah, I do think that. But most days that I come in here, it's like, how am I going to further the brand? How am I going to um, make, you know, cycling and mountain biking approachable, you know, for everybody? How am I going to be the best at what I do? Um, and then luckily, I think that I, because of that, I can then bring you know, hopefully women into the sport and be a role model in that regard. Does that sound? Yeah. Like it that makes means, sense. That's yeah. a, yeah, that's a nice perspective. Um, it is funny when you're the token female and you're supposed to represent all of womankind and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. No, that's too much. Right. Yeah. 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 There was a really interesting interview recently. I just caught the end of it uh, about a woman Oh, and it was on, um, it was on a Ted talk and it was on one of the Ted, the Ted radio hour. And she, her book is called bad feminist. Um, because like, she didn't feel like she fit, like what a feminist is supposed to be. Um, and then, you know, how like her journey through that process, I thought that was really interesting. Do I, do I categorize myself as a feminist? Absolutely. Like 150%, like big time, you know, I am definitely, Someone like I'm all 110% behind Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying like, yeah, there should be nine women on the Supreme Court because there were nine men and nobody blinked an eye at that, you know, but mm -hmm. I would like just, just equal would be good to start with. Uh, and I think that's really where it's at, like equal representation, not only of like gender, but ethnicity and backgrounds and culture. Um, I think it's going to be really important, not only for us as a society and a country, but also as we move through the outdoor industry too. Like, obviously, I think we all can agree that it tends to be white male centric. So now we've gotten to from white male centric to we've got the white females in there. Okay, how do we get women of color into our people of different ethno backgrounds, people of different socio backgrounds into these sports? Like that's going to be the real like that's how I want to evolve the conversation as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like brands are doing a good job, like trying to integrate things for women and trying to offer more things. But then I think it's a delicate balance between like relegating everything to like, Oh, well that's the women's stuff. Yeah. Or even like, you know, the difference between giant and live and, you know, dudes being like, Oh, like, what kind of bike is that? That looks cool. And I'll, this year I'm on a, live hail and pe I'm like oh it's a hail and people are like oh yeah that's the chick one and like right, turn right, away right. and I'm like oh this bike's sick it is sick I love yeah. that bike I, I practically stood on a table to make sure that bike happened so <laughs> oh. it's a great bike I'm a big yeah. fan of that bike yeah yeah and I, yeah. You know, I hear you like yeah, how do we evolve the conversation and I think yeah. what I love about live um is that they have a role that's like a real foothold. And I've, I've only like, I think in about last year, year and a half started saying they instead of we for live. So this is a coup for me. 
But I think they have this foothold where they are very much like focused on that women's market, right? They, you know, like you're getting a women's specific product in that, in their realm. And they should, they should like continue to like forge on that path. Um, but I love, I always have said this too. I love that there are options now, you know, that there's, there's Juliana who doesn't necessarily have a women's specific design, but they have aspects of the bike that are going to be better for maybe, you know, a female rider, whether that's shock tune. And that's a similar approach that we take to Yeti for our Yeti buddy line is that we do a lighter tune shock for women, shorter crank arms, women's specific saddle. My, so my point is like, I think options are just so important. You yeah. Know, for everybody. Absolutely. Um, totally. So what, uh, as I grew up in Fort Collins working in bike shops and I, love the bike industry. I love bike culture. I love working in shops and, you know, working my way up from there. But what, what's your favorite thing about working in the bike industry? Getting to ride my bike and calling it work. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. Yeah. You know, if I ever there, I mean, I'm, and you know, this, I've told you this, like there are days that my, my job is not perfect. My life is not perfect. Shock. Oh, wow. Like I think we're all as a society coming to terms with like this whole like social media stories we put out there, like this front of like, my life is perfect. It's not real. Right. Like we all have those days where you're just, yeah, you're sad or you're frustrated or whatever that is, you know, and that I'm not going to say that didn't happen at giant or live. Like we all have those frustrating days, but at the end of the day, like I get to quit my work every day at 1130 and go ride my bike if I want to, I'm not forced to, but I get to go from 1130 to one and ride my bike. They would love, like, and honestly, the truth of the expectation is I'm at least not working. And I love that there's that balance. And then, you know, like, yeah, I get to go out, like, last time I saw you in Brevard for Rome Fest in North Carolina and, you know, really talk to women about what they're looking for in product and what they think about Yeti. And that's my job. Like, I'm doing work when I do that, but I love it. It doesn't feel like work. Um, so that's my, that is my absolute first favorite, but I also, I really do love the people, you know, and I think that. I, I, could I go back into these normal jobs and, you know, where you can't drop F-bombs or you can't like, you're like, it's political, you know, there's always that kind of political maneuvering. Um, and I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It would be, I don't know that I, I think I'd get fired in the first week. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably say to somebody, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> or like, are you crazy? Like, you know, they, and I'd probably get fired. <laughs> And I say that probably, you know, we have, we, I think that's really a cool part about Yeti too. Like, and those, those, those discussions happen to any bike company. People are really passionate. Um, and granted, it's not life or death for anybody, but like we're here because we're passionate about it, you know? And so we will have those really heated conversations, like, you know, about a chain ring size or crank arm <laughs> length or a fork offset, you know, those, those conversations happen. Um, and yeah, I love that. They're it's just awesome people. It's so much fun. That's hilarious. Yeah, you're right. It's very passion driven. And uh, yeah, with passion comes a lot of pride. And yeah, there's that. There's the yeah. whole pride aspect to check yeah. out. Yeah. And I just love to like, you know, I'm never, it's not like, I'm not questioned if I walk in the door in my yoga pants. Like they're like, cool, she went to yoga this morning. Like, great. Or whatever. Or she's still wearing her pajamas. It doesn't matter because she's here with her brain. Like she's here to work. And I think that like, I love that, that it doesn't matter. Like, if I'm in a suit to do my job, because we all know that and that probably makes you do worse at your job. <laughs> I would love for you to walk into Yeti in like a pantsuit. Oh my God. They would be like, are you quitting? What's happening? Do you have an interview today? Like, 
are you on trial? Like literally it would, they wouldn't know what to do. Like, ah. That was, that was a joke at giant too. If you were too dressed up, they were like, so where are you interviewing today? Like <laughs> you putting in your two weeks? Yeah. It's not, it's not a thing at all. <laughs> to dress up like that. Yeah. Do you have a court date? Yeah, totally. It'd be like, uh, so are you like on trial? Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the same culture we have going on at our office. Yeah. I would, I would be highly alarmed if someone came in in a suit. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny like that those kind of things can really like, in my opinion, like determine kind of happiness in a way. Like I always felt like I was putting on, um, I just felt like I was putting on costume. Like I really did. Like in, in, in like more ways than one, you know, like, and I've talked to you about that where like in this industry, like in healthcare or something like that, I'd be like, here's who I am at work, you know? And like, I'm learning how to mountain bike, you know, and my knees are like bleeding through said pantsuit. I'm like, oh, so I crashed last night. Mm. Like, you know, just bandaging it up, trying to make sure I don't, you know, bleed through it. No skirts that week because again, then that's not hygienic either. So there's that. But um, anyways, yeah. It felt like a costume in many different ways. Exactly. It wasn't a fit. Yeah. And then you go home from work and you're like, oh, I can be myself again. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't love that feeling. I don't. I don't do that anymore. That's not. That doesn't happen at all anymore. No. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. And now time for another commercial break. Are you a woman with a camera who wants to up her photography skills in the outdoor industry? Sign up for a workshop at wheelhouseworkshops.com. These are creative action sports workshops designed for women by women with the intent of helping elevate women in the creative outdoor action sports space. What that means is one day of on snow, shooting professional female athletes and learning from the best lady photographers in the business, followed by a day of post-production and an art show showing your best work. It's super fun, it's awesome. The next one is going to be in Jackson Hole. Stay tuned, you can sign up for more information and to get notified about the next event at wheelhouseworkshops.com. What, um, what's your advice to someone who might be working in the industry in shops or maybe they are a marketing assistant or something? What's your advice to people who want to get more into marketing for outdoor companies in big picture? Like what, what do you think are some traits they should try to embody and um, skill sets that might help somebody who wants to advance in their career? Yeah. Um, I'm really into just really understanding your consumer and really understanding like what people are doing. And that doesn't have to be, you know, globally, like, especially if you're working at a shop, like you have to think about who's your audience, right? We always say that about writing and the same thing comes with marketing and sales and all these things is really understanding like who is buying, consuming, interested, passionate about your product. Right. Um, and well, I think even all of us, sometimes some, there are days when you want to just be on the trail and you just want to be head down and you don't want to talk to anybody and you're just in that mode. And there are times that that's okay, but I really take a, like a vested interest in stopping and talking to people. And, you know, like, I love it when I see a gal like on a Juliana, but she's in like Yeti shorts. I'm like, Hey, tell me about like, why you bought that Juliana and like why you bought these shorts. And, you know, and I always say full disclosure, I work for Yeti. So like, yeah, I'm totally doing market research on you right now. But I wanted, I sincerely want to know like what made her have make that choice. Um, and sometimes it means, you know, it sometimes means even having kind of uncomfortable conversations, you know, or whatever, like it's whether it feels awkward or 
what have you. That's not an example of an awkward conversation, but I think having, taking the time to really get to know your consumer, um, and then taking that, like, yeah, when I did work at Live and being able to take that on a global scale and same here at Yeti, you know, I had, I had one person who worked within Yeti at one point, he said, well, yeah, our raincoats don't sell. We live, you know, we're a Colorado company. And I was like, okay, no, <laughs> like we are a global company. We have global distributors. There are people around the world and, and beyond the raincoats, like we need to be thinking globally all the time. Um, that's where like, you know, that's, that's important to know, you know, who we are. And I think just really getting to know the consumer is, is fascinating too. Like there's, there's always some sort of thing that you had no idea was affecting their buying habits or decision-making. Um, and just looking at that information and gathering it is so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you keep referencing kind of a global mindset. Does that, include kind of something for everyone or understanding that lots of people go through things that you never will go through or what, what do you think is included in that global mindset? Yeah. Um, well, I will say we are in a different, I'm in a different place with Yeti because we in some ways unapologetically go in a direction. Um, and, and we say that that's our ethos. Like our ethos is we build bikes we want to ride. Um, and so I think there's a balance to that, right? Like anything you can, Pigeon, you can put yourself in a really bad place if you're going to be everything to everyone. You, it's not possible. But I think like if it's if there's this key thing that's going to help you really lock in a German market, like say, for example, like the German market, like let's say, you know, there's this key thing, like they still want front derailleur hangers. I'm just or front derailleur mounts. I'm just gonna that's an example. They just still want to be able to mount a front derailleur on their bike. Okay, we've heard that at least, right? So we know. Whether we do it or not, we do know it's a challenge in that market. So how do we overcome that, right? Maybe it's making sure that our distributor has um, ample demos so that he can go out and he can get, you know, sales staff on the floor in German retailers on bikes with one buys and really get them to buy into a one buy drivetrain. Now, is that, I mean, is that specifically a problem in the German market? Mm, probably not as much anymore. It used to be. There are ways that we can... Like by doing that research, at least we know our challenges. doesn't mean we'll necessarily implement everything we learn, but at least we understand what we're up against. Does that answer the question? I think it does. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for us on the creative side, the trait I always look for when I'm hiring is curiosity. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's cynicism or just curiosity or someone who can look at things and say, well, why is it like that? You yeah. know, is that a symptom? Is that a cause? And be kind of analytical. And uh, I think creativity helps in marketing and it helps in, or I think totally. curiosity, yeah, curiosity helps in all these things. Totally. I think too, just thinking about like, I love how, like, I don't, I don't always think of myself as like a super creative person because I'm not like, not like over here, like doodling a zebra while we're talking. That's like not happening. I wish I was, but it's not. <laughs> But it's taken a long time for me to like really value aspects of my creativity because um, they're not necessarily something that like, I don't make like an, a painting, but my come up, hopefully that curiosity, yeah, asking those questions, taking a creative approach to something. I think that's really um, powerful to like see yourself in, like see creativity in different ways, right? Like maybe problem solving or... Um, whatever that is, like coming in with that curiosity, like you're saying is super important. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my, my last question of the day here is, um, I noticed 
Yeti Cycles uses the word tribe a lot, which I think is pretty cool and unique to the bike industry. So what does that mean to Yeti and what does that mean to you and um, what, yeah, what's behind this whole tribe mindset? Yeah. I lo- so tribe is um, to be like the totally straightforward way of thinking about it in a Yeti Cycles aspect is anyone who owns a Yeti, period. End of story. So if you bought a Yeti from a store, if you bought a Yeti used, if you bought a Yeti 10 years ago, if you bought a Yeti today, you're in the tribe. Um, but I love this when I get on the trail too. I had, I've had two people ask me this. If I buy a Yeti, does it mean I, I have to be in the tribe? And you're like, well, I mean, I guess the way we define it, yes. But it doesn't mean like we're not going to like force you to sacrifice like your firstborn or something. That's not the obligation. It's just like you're in, like you're in this group. Um, and it's not again, it's not like about exclusivity. It's about that we're the types of mountain bikers who are looking for bikes that perform on the highest level. Um, we're looking for adventure. We are, you know, we're friendly and inclusive and raw and probably a little raunchy sometimes. <laughs> um, it's sort of like the messy side of our brand, where it's like our product is so dialed. Um, you know, we're winning races around the world. Um, and like, there's that super, like really polished side of our brand. And then tribes is sort of fun, messy side of the brand that, um, that's the people. And we call them, we call them lovingly um, Yeti freaks because they are really obsessed and passionate about our bikes, which is awesome. So yeah, my ears definitely perk too. When I ever hear, I hear tribe now and I've, I've heard it in other contexts. It's actually kind of common in the yoga world. You know, people are always like, oh, this is my tribe and which is awesome. It's great. I think it has this sort of like, that's like, it has that sort of like face war paint kind of like sensation, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're not doing that yet. <laughs> Turk war paint just yet. No war at all. It would be peace paint for us. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I think it, like, I think the tribe in, in itself has this sort of like, yeah, tribal quality, right? Like nomadic and like kind of crazy and you're not sure what to, what's to expect. I think that's pretty perfect. So, so we do, and we do gather, we gather once a year, we have our tribe gathering. It's our official gathering with Yeti Cycles in somewhere in Colorado. We're very near it. Sometimes we will venture into Utah for it. Um, and then we do an international gathering, which is kind of um, it's kind of like the, the highest. And it's a super, it tends to be not only pricey, but it's a, a bigger time commitment and lots and lots of miles over a number of days. Um, so our next one's going to be coming up in late August and September. We're going to do our second Betty Tribe gathering as well in Scotland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Will you be going to Scotland? I'm going to Scotland. I'm so excited. Yeah. I need, I need to stay on training, training and stay healthy. Those are my two things. Is that August? You're going to Scotland? Yeah. September 1st. So the Betty tribe goes September 1st through September 8th to Scotland. You want to come? You can buy a Yeti. Sorry, Liv. Sorry, Liv people. Lisa's buying a Yeti. She's going to Scotland. We're going to Scotland. Jen Audia is like, oh, screaming at me through the... I don't know, the ether, something. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, so when you were like 12 year old Jeanette growing up in California, would you ever have imagined you'd be living in Colorado, working at one of the most badass bike companies out there? Uh, Definitely not because I kind of hated bikes. (laughs) So I was like, why? I don't understand how to shift gears. Um, Yeah. I I grew up horseback riding. I grew up like on that small farm, you know, so my parents, my parents more than anything were determined for me not to be interested in boys. So that was, they were successful for a while. Um, <laughs> but then like, I don't know, puberty hit and I was like, oh, what's the other half of the population doing? Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I actually, I think about that a lot. Like even in high school, 
no, I would have been like, what? No. Like, are you kidding me? I don't even like bikes. I think that's what I would have told you. Seriously. So it's amazing. Right. Yeah. I like, I, I liked riding bikes downhill, not uphill. It's still, it, that still kind of holds true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, why is this hurting? Why do I have to shift so much? No. So, um, yeah, that was, I was really challenged by shifting. So funny. But, uh, no, I would never have, never have thought I was going to be a lawyer for sure. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lawyer or a professional gymnast. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out. I can't even do a backhand spring to save my life. So, so yeah. So, so this works. Yeah. At 12, at 12, I was probably really into horseback riding. I would have told you I would have been like an Olympic horseback rider, whatever that means. Like, so that's a promising career. So it's, be- it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I always had high aspirations, clearly. I'm much happier. And, I, and then I think they, whoever the person, the 12 year old Jeanette would have manifested, I'm much happier than that person. It's true. That's, that's you, good. <laughs> you have a whole tribe. Yeah. I have a whole tribe of Yeti freaks who ride bikes a ton. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really lucky. You can find Jeanette uh, by giving her a follow. Um, you can follow at Yeti Cycles on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure Jeanette has a private Instagram account, but you can request follow and see if she'll follow you. It's J-A-N-E-T-T-E-N-O-E-L, Jeanette Noel. And she is a good time. So uh, give her a follow. Thanks so much for listening to Outside by Design. Tune in next week when I'm speaking with Ree Wickstrom, a professional photographer, as well as the senior photographer at backcountry.com. So tune in next week. Here's a sneak peek. I see so many more women, um, I feel like getting involved in outdoor sports in general. I see so many more women just out on the skin track, out on the trails. Um, but then I think there's also been, especially with the rise of social media, cause that's only been happening, I'd say for like half of my career, really. Um, it's been really cool to see women step in and say, Hey, well, maybe the traditional model wasn't supporting women. So I can do this myself and I'll put it out there. You know, maybe the companies aren't going to back us, but I can back me.